My name is Maddie Gillisey. I am 18 years old and I am currently in Newport, Rhode Island on the Oliver Hazard Ferry. We are a sailing school vessel. A sailing school vessel is exactly what it sounds like. The Oliver Hazard Perry is a 200-foot sailboat with three masts and 20 sails. Think Treasure Island, not America's Cup. This huge, old-school rig serves as a semester abroad and summer camp for the young and old keen to learn the craft of sailing. I'm Carol Lloyd, and this is Like a Sponge, with an entire season exploring how high schools can become places where every kid thrives, and the real high schools attempting to do the really hard work of reinventing a very old, sometimes stodgy institution. We must have order. We must have discipline. We must have control for the sake of your soul and the sake of the school. This week, we're taking you off the beaten path and onto the water. Wooden ships on the water, very free and easy. As Maddie speaks behind her, you can see windows looking out to an open sky. With her thick, long hair and glowing skin, she could be mistaken for a celebrity caught reclining on her yacht. But instead of Airsat's marine layers, she's wearing heavy boots and work pants. As a deckhand, her days are filled with scrubbing floors, four-hour watches, oiling machinery. You might be thinking that Maddie's one of those lucky kids who drops out of high school only to land on their feet in a profession they love. But you would be wrong. Maddie just graduated from high school. And this vessel on the sea isn't a sign of her going off course. It's her North Star, and her high school helped her navigate there. But it was a meandering journey. Like millions of kids across the country, Maddie went to a traditional high school with classes in lots of academic subjects, hours of homework, and so many tests. I went there for three years, and it really sucked. Um, It was not catered to my learning style at all. I felt like the things that I was talking about in class were irrelevant, and I didn't really care about them. It was big and anonymous. Um, And I didn't feel a personal connection with any of my teachers. I didn't have the motivation to do well in school at that point in time. She'd always assumed she would go to college, but when she thought about her future, she couldn't fathom it. I needed some type of uh, post-secondary education, but I didn't know what I wanted to study. And that lack of clarity set her adrift. I became a very poor, poor student. I wasn't really focusing on my work or going to class, or I was like, oh, it's not a big deal if I leave early, Um, because I just wasn't engaged with what I was doing. Every day felt the same. It was boring. It felt more like a chore than anything else. Really disheartening. Maddie's story may seem familiar. When you zoom out every year, about 1.2 million high school students fall off course and drop out of school. They're the ones who cannot hack one more trigonometry quiz, one more visit to the vice principal's office. The problem with traditional high school is you are told what you are going to study, how you are going to study it, and the only measure of your success is a percentage on a piece of paper. Maddie sensed that she was just a number in a system that didn't know or care about her, that she was a cog in the wheel, isn't an accident. 
It's exactly how the system was designed. You see, high schools exploded into a mass institution in the wake of the Industrial Revolution, when factories needed workers and high schools were there to produce them. The economy had changed. It was the next industrialization. It really was factory work. And you just needed to be a cog, right? That was the point. And now we look at that like, oh, I'm just a cog, but that's what it was. So we just needed to get people to a certain level of knowledge to get them into the industrial economy. We're trapped in a system that still sees its purpose as the mass production of one-size-fits-all students. That's Todd Rose, Harvard professor, author, and founder of the Think Tank Populous. Getting young people just to the point of being able to retain specific knowledge so that they can go out and build widgets, well, that was the point. And all these years later, that institutional high school Maddie attended, it seemed to function according to the same assembly line model. It was very traditional. Very, very, very traditional. You know, you'd have hours and hours of homework a night. Luckily for Maddie, there were some educators in her city of Providence, Rhode Island, who had been thinking about this exact problem with the modern high school. The traditional school, everybody's doing the same thing at the same time, and students who, you know, can really do things on their own have to wait, or the kids who need more time don't get that time. I'm Nancy Diaz, and I'm co-director with Dennis here at the Met School in Providence, Rhode Island. My name's Dennis Litke. I am the co-founder of Big Picture and the Met School, and now I'm serving as co-director with Nancy. The Met is short for Metropolitan Regional Career and Technical Center. If that doesn't sound like any high school you've ever heard of, that's probably because it isn't. A collection of micro-schools organized around certain themes, the Met is a radical rethinking of teenage education. Dennis and his friend, Elliot Washer, founded the school back in 1995 as part of Big Picture Learning, an experiment in putting the individual child at the center and designing a school around them. The Big Picture Network now includes 65 schools in 27 states and even more abroad. But the Met was their first. We set up the Met as our first example of what we think a great school should look like. Elliot and I said, how do you create a school that is not boring, that the kids are engaged, that's real, and takes into account who that kid is? From the perspective of a parent of a young child, the idea of taking into account who that kid is doesn't seem so revolutionary. In preschool and elementary school, teachers typically try to get to know your child, and they're in conversation with you about what they're learning and loving and struggling with. But in our school system, as kids enter into middle and then high schools, kids are increasingly anonymous pieces of an institution. Personal guidance narrows to a trickle, as does a focus on individual learning based on who they are and what they love. If they're lucky, they love one of the required subjects or an elective that that high school actually has. But in order to succeed, they need to fit in. The irony is that when children hit their teenage years, most have the skills and a profound desire to make learning their own. 
But for kids like Maddie, traditional high school can undermine rather than spark a motivation to learn. Luckily, when Maddie was in her junior year, just as she was on the verge of giving up hope, she heard about the Met from a friend. And she was telling me all about it. You know, we would sit and she'd be like, I get to do this and I get to have an internship and I get to pick what classes I take. And I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. So I went to one of her exhibitions and I met her advisor. And then, gosh, like a month later, I turned in my application. The mention of an application might bring to mind one of those magnet schools that have selective enrollment. But the application is sort of like the school's first educational experience, not to weed kids out, but to pull them in. And I have to tell you, when I downloaded it, I had a really weird reaction. It asks kids about their favorite thing to do, their hobbies, their sports, their favorite word, about a difficult time in their life when they learned a valuable lesson, what they imagine their plans will be four years from now when they graduate. Page after page of questions that most kids never get asked. It was at this point in reading the application that I started to cry because it reminded me of when I worked as a career counselor with adults and I asked them questions like this. They were in their 30s and 40s and 50s and the most common thing I would hear was no one ever asked me this before. A lot of them were really successful, but they weren't fulfilled. They were products of this education system that doesn't carve out time to think about what you want to learn. The Met starts there, a year before the student even steps onto campus. Again, Nancy Diaz. So we're a a state public high school that, you know, loves kids, respects kids, and we do everything we can to make sure that kids are happy and want to become lifelong learners always. Met students do take some regular high school classes. But the core of the program is that it allows kids to leap into some of these imagined possible futures, not by staying on campus and studying something, but by getting out of the building and into internships. So you may be like, I know about high schools that help kids find, like, summer internships, a junior year internship. The Met supersizes this idea in a way that completely changes the school. Over the course of four years, kids have the opportunity to do an internship every semester. Or if they find something they love, they can stick with it and go deeper and learn more and more about that profession. It ranges from, you know, being with graphic designers, aviation, being with school teachers, lawyers, doctors, dog groomers, photographers, glass blowers, fire department, police officers, you name it. And unlike a lot of schools that have a few internships to choose from, the Met approaches it more like a real career search. It's tailored to what the student wants. If the student says they're interested, then it's our job to find it. Maddie ended up living on a boat, learning the art of sailing. But she says her classmates were all over the map. There's a kid in my advisory who wants to play the stock market and become an investor and learn about finances. There's a kid who wants to be a nurse and she wants to learn how to draw blood and she was working at a hospital. It starts with treating students as they've never really been treated before. Students come in 
from you know horrendous school experiences for eight years, and we have to help them unlearn and allow them to realize that they do belong here, that they're respected, and that they have lots of choices. Two days a week, they're out in the community with professionals, and then that's when you see the learning happen and the true self of the kids comes alive, and then everything's possible from there. They were like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "This is pretty cool." Maddie's answer to that question was a pursuit of something related to marine biology, which ended up being a marine engineering workshop. And I was like, ah, to heck with it, I'll do it. And I did it, and it turns out I actually really loved it. This led to a semester at sea, sailing for three months, and then to a job as a deckhand, maintaining the ship and sharing her know-how with students. Being among adults and treated like an actual employee means young people become more invested. Once they are in a professional setting, they realize like they have to behave, they have to ask questions. And then they get, the most important part is they get excited about the learning and it comes alive. Because in traditional schools, you can talk about cooking or you can talk about the science, but you're not really doing it. And it doesn't seem real for students. There's a reason our kids don't drop out of school. There's a reason that our kids continue learning because they care about it. Dennis says the model, letting kids drive their learning based on their own interests, even challenged his own ideas about what was a valid subject of study. He remembers one girl who chose to focus her big project on Tupac, the rap artist. A kid in the ninth grade just studied Tupac, okay? And all our kids do exhibitions every uh, eight to 15 weeks where people gather around, parents mentor kids, and they present, you know? And standing room only to talk about Tupac. And part of me was a little embarrassed. She's just talking, a freshman spending eight weeks just talking about this song. And the mom was there and I'm kind of hiding a little bit. He's worrying about the audience. like. What are they letting my daughter do? This is her big project? In fact, it took a year before he saw the long-term benefits of his student doing a close reading of Thug Life. And a year later, I stopped by Jackie's little place she was sitting, and she had just returned from South Africa. She met Mandela. And what happened, her advisor teacher said, Tupac's cool. Let me show you some other people that have cool lines. She could have never gotten to studying the oppression in South Africa when she was that ninth grader. But everyone finds something. Unleashing kids' purpose sometimes leads somewhere that doesn't, well, it doesn't look like school. I always get amazed at our, our student who, you know, wanted just to write music. And so, you know, as, a, as an adult in a in an education, you're like, okay, the kid wants to write music all day. But then the kid graduated and became a professional singer. And so who am I to stop that student from doing what they love? But for Maddie, it fit like a magic key. It worked. And it was like, wait, I can do this? I can do this? Are you sure? And this counts for school? Oh my gosh. It's not like the Met is this miracle career counseling center where every fanciful vision in a child's head turns into a promising career. Sometimes the keys don't fit. There was a young woman that her whole life wanted to be an elementary teacher. And she goes back to her middle school 
and she's she's there teaching and then she comes back and said you know what i found out i really just like kids and i go thank god you found out when you were 14 not 24. or there's the kid that wanted to be a hairdresser and then realized she really wanted to be a social worker and that's what she is that was the part she loved talking to the people not the actual work of course most of us have had to make those first professional pancakes when we're in our 20s or 30s it's painful and expensive and sometimes it's hard to change that career ocean liner even if we know we made a mistake And for kids from families with few resources, it can be especially hard to continue to take risks to find the right fit. So many of the kids at graduation say, thank you for saving me a lot of money. I now know what I want to do before I go to college to try to figure out what I want to do. Helping kids navigate their interests and turn those interests into opportunities sounds easy in retrospect. But in reality, it's tricky. Part of what they teach is all the stuff most of us have to learn the hard way as adults. Networking, career research, resumes, persistence. There's a curriculum really built on helping kids find internships, understanding what the real world looks like, how do you research, just like an adult looking for a job, right? You just don't go and apply somewhere. You have to work on your resume. You got to research the site. You got to figure out how to get there. The Met definitely taught me how to be a professional, you know, how to shoot out emails to strangers and how to network and make connections. But one thing I've learned on a more personal level from my advisors and from my classmates was how to be confident and how to stand up for yourself and how to be an advocate. When kids aren't at their internships, they're in the classroom working on projects for their internship sites. They do take more traditional math classes, but a lot of the other subjects, like English, science, history, that learning is driven by their projects, their interests. And that's also connected to what the student wants to do. And so there's a a research component, there's reading and writing, and then there's a piece around what the student wants to help make change. Many schools like to boast that they leverage their community resources to help students. But the Met has put the community at the center of their actual curriculum. We got 5,000 mentors over the years. I can't go anywhere with somebody saying, I mentored a kid six years ago. He was a great kid. Unlike other schools who inadvertently push students toward either college or career. It's not about go to college or go to trades, it's about here are other options. So you might be wondering, what are the results? It's actually kind of a tough question to answer. Because the school doesn't prioritize college going, regular metrics of high school success, like SAT scores and college enrollment, are not entirely relevant. On great schools, which rates schools based on available data, things like participation in AP classes, college enrollment, test scores, the Met is a four out of 10. 58% of the graduates go on to college or a vocational program, compared to 64% of all Rhode Island students. But if the point is that some of these kids move on to more informal apprenticeships, self-directed careers like entrepreneurship and the arts, or straight into a job, those numbers will never show up in state data. Maddie's success will not count. One thing's for sure, the school has its fans. Todd Rose again. It's one of my absolute favorite places on the planet. 
I actually would have every year I taught a, a course on personalized learning, I would have people from big picture learning, including students come and speak to the class and just let them talk about their experience because there, there's a level of self-confidence there, which is just striking. It was also designed based on evidence-based practices. From the start time... We start school at nine o'clock because we've known for 50 years that high school kids' brains don't work before that. To the advisory... Part of our secret sauce is when the kids come in, they're in an advisory with 16 students and a faculty member, a teacher, that follows them through for four years. So that group gets very strong and supportive the vibe, the energy. It fosters growth and it fosters a sense of closeness and teamwork and friendliness, really. It also gives kids a really strong adult in their life. Here's Maddie on her advisor. Well, her name is Meg and she is absolutely fantastic. She is the best advocate I've ever had. If I wanted to do something or I needed something, she'd be right there in a heartbeat. And even though I've graduated, we still talk regularly. And she's someone that I can rely on, not just for academic things, but for emotional, personal things. In the fall of 2020, Maddie was a bored student counting down the days till graduation, but she still didn't know what she liked to do. Less than a year later, she has a plan it was all the support and the opportunities I got through the Met. Without that, I would have continued to wilt, but here I get to flourish. I said yes to every opportunity that was on the table, and here I am. I'm trying to become an engineer. Without the Met, Maddie would have headed toward an uncertain future, maybe even dropping out. Traditional high school isn't for everyone. It certainly didn't agree with me. Um, going to the Met, allowed me to pursue my passion. And I have classmates at the Met who want to go to college and who want to be nurses. And I have classmates who are like, hey, carpentry is pretty cool. I want to do that. The Met will help you prepare for whatever you want to do. For Maddie, this means sailing the high seas. And from this faraway vantage point, she's clear about what's really important about high school. When asked what her dream high school would be, it sounds like something she's experienced. If I could design my dream high school, it would be a place where you could feel accepted, supported, and most importantly, challenged. A place where your individual path is more important than what you get on your SATs or how well you score in math or how many AP classes you're taking. In the year of her like a Sponge is a production of Great Schools and was made by Jessica Yarmoski and me, Carol Lloyd. Our audio engineer is Christopher Ferreira. Editorial support from Jessica Kelman and Charity Ferreira. Special thanks to Maddie Gillisey, Nancy Diaz, Dennis Litke, Big Picture Learning, Todd Rose, Transcend Education, and Springpoint Schools. This season was made possible by a generous grant from the Barr Foundation. Also, this podcast is part of a project called Transforming High School, with articles, videos, tools in English and Spanish for parents and educators. So if you're a parent or a teacher and you're interested in all the different solutions for improving your high school, check out greatschools.org slash transforminghighschool. And I know you've heard it before, but we appreciate feedback. And so for the love of mackerel, Give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Irish.